What's up, guys? Welcome to the sesh. Today, I have a special guest. Uh, I ran into you at an OLS school event, and I found your story to be uh, quite amazing, man. And ever since then, I went up to you. My friend was like, you got to go get him on the podcast. I was like, I'm going, man. I'm already going to get him after this. So I asked you right after, and you graciously said yes. So please introduce yourself and let everybody know a little bit about you. Thank you. My name is Germán Madrazo. I'm a Mexican Olympic skier, if you can believe that. <laughs> Not a country famous for, for winter sports. Definitely not. <laughs> um, I've been living here in McAllen for the past 12 years. We, um, we came over here, we founded a running store, we founded a running club, a running group, and we've been here for the past 12 years trying to make a, trying to make a little change in our, in our community. So the question is, how did a Mexican end up at the Olympics at skiing? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I love that question. Uh, it, you know... I think it's, it all has to do with dreams. It all has to do with pursuing your dreams. It all has to do with believing in yourself. You see, I've always said that we're always looking and we're always sitting next to the door waiting for it to open. But the problem is that the door doesn't always open. A lot of the times you actually have an ax and you, you actually have to like literally make a hole through the wall yourself. And, and all of the tools to make the hole through the wall are there. And if, you're, and if you're waiting for the window or the door to open, you're never going to achieve your dreams. You're never going to get to where you want to get. And then assuming that, well, those tools are there, but I don't know what to do with them. The only thing it does is, is it makes you a slave of the things that you do know and the things that you think that you know. So um, my dream since I was a little kid was to go to the Olympic Games. And I was a swimmer and I was a really good swimmer. But then I soon realized that I, wasn't, I was not good enough to make it to the Olympics. So I started running and I was a very good runner and I was, I was running in high school and, and, and college. And then very soon I realized that I wasn't good enough for the Olympics. But mm -hmm. the dream always stayed there. And I always thought, you know, if I can stay, and this is something that I, a friend told me and the same friend that's gonna come around with an article in, in just a few seconds, sorry. He told me one time, he said, you know, um, I want to be a sports presenter and I'm very, very far away from being a good sports presenter. But I spoke to the best sports presenter in Mexico, and he told me, if you want to make it happen, you always have to be close to the mic. So he's made it a habit of always staying close to the mic. And now, after so many years, like he, he, he never made it to, to the big TV leagues, right? But he's always been a sports presenter, it, it, you know, local radio shows, yeah. local TV shows. And, uh, and now that you look back, he's made a huge career out of that by just staying constant, staying in yeah. front of the mic. So when he said that, I said, you know what? That's what I need to do. If my dream is to one day make it to the Olympic Games, I, I need to keep on training. You know, I need to train thinking that I'm one day I'm going to make it. And it's just, it's funny because, you know, you're, you're so far away and yet it's the only thing that you can think about. So um, years passed and one day we're, we're at a party uh, all the high school friends were there. Uh, everybody was drinking. And, and of course, I'm, I'm, I'm always training, so I wasn't drinking. Uh, and, and you know what happens when you're in a reunion where everybody's having a drink and you're not. It gets to the point where you get very annoyed. You're like, you don't know what they're talking about. You don't laugh at the things they're laughing at. And very soon they started laughing at me. Like, oh, you know, you and your sports. And, and then they started criticizing people that post their runs on Facebook saying like, oh, yeah, so... Congratulations, you just ran a 10K. 
what does that have to do with me? You know, right. like stop posting that stuff. And I was getting really mad. I was like, hey, so what? You post your food. Like, what's great about posting your food? I mean, like, it's the yeah. same thing. We post our run, you post your food, you know, just you got to respect. Um, and so one of, uh, one of my friends said, look, man, uh, you've made it a habit of finding a very uncomfortable spot and make it your comfy zone. But it's still your comfy zone. You're not getting out of your comfortable your comfort zone. You're not doing anything extraordinary. You're just doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. It was very impressive when you did your first Ironman. When you did your second one, okay, you know, he's trying to improve. But by the time you do, you do the 18th, what are you trying to prove? You're just doing the same thing over and over. You're not getting out of your comfort zone. You're not trying anything new. And he said, if you did something different, I'll think different about your sport and, and, and all the things that you're defending. Hmm. For now, you're just another guy that does the same thing over and over again. And so uh, it really hit me. This guy's a very, very smart guy. He's a, he's a doctor, a gynecologist. And, and How did that make you feel, though? Like, like get, that, that sometimes is like a, a punch in the face that people need. It's a wake-up call. You know, it punched me really hard because, because it made me realize that doing the same thing over and over, it may, it, like, that's, what, that's what greatness, you know, it's going to work every single day. That, that, that's what makes people great. You know, that's what makes people relevant. That's what makes people reliable. But do you want to be reliable? Do you know, like, or do you want to be extraordinary? And breaking them all and doing what you, what you don't know you're capable of doing, attempting things that you never thought you could, that's what makes you extraordinary. extraordinary. So like it really, it really broke me. Like, did I want it? Like my dreams had always been big. I, I, I always wanted to go to the Olympic Games. I always wanted to do these, all of these things. Yet I was, I was very happy in that uncomfortable, comfortable place, right? <laughs> and um, it, it, it shook me. But what shook me, what really shook me was what happened right after that. Another one of my friends jumped in and he said, look, man, um, he's right. I know you're not having a great time right now. Uh, you know, I know you're getting ready to leave. I'm going to send you an article, and I want you to tell me what you think. Uh, I read about this sport. I read about this thing that I just thought it was fascinating. I want to see what you think about that. So um, I left. I stayed there for a, little, a few more minutes, but then I left. Um, and the next morning, after my, I think I did a, I think I, I did a, like a beautiful bike ride uh, in the Sierra of Querétaro, it goes up to a point that's called Puerta del Cielo, and it's like 8,000 8, feet, something like that. Wow. It's, it's brutal. Like, no, 8,000. Yeah, it's 8,000 feet. Wow. It's brutal, brutal, brutal climb. Um, when I came back, I had the, the, the text message in my phone with the article that talked about cross-country skiing. And it said that it was the most brutal sport there is, the hardest thing. It, 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 it had pictures of people collapse on the snow. <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing harder than that. And I was like, no, wait, 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 wait. This can't be right. I am, I am practicing the hardest sport there is. I know for a fact that Ironman is the hardest one-day endurance event in the world. This can't be right. <laughs> Ironman is the hardest thing. So I kept on reading, and it was fascinating because it said that cross-country ski is the, the one sport that puts together the best and the worst. The Olympic champions but it also opens the opportunity to na for other nations to achieve the qualification standard and send an athlete to the Olympic Games to represent their countries. So um, I kept on reading, and it, it had the story of um, a great guy that I had the opportunity to meet later, um, 
Tucker from, from uh, Bermuda. Great, incredible guy. Uh, Roberto Carcelén from Peru. Uh, and so, sorry. And so um, I started reading those, those stories. And I said, wait a second. So if there's a guy from Peru, there's a guy from Bermuda. Uh, if there's a guy from uh, Tibet, I think that was the other one. I said, uh, I think it was a girl, a girl from uh, Martinique. I said, there has to be a Mexican here. So I started Googling, okay, Winter Olympic Games, Mexican cross-country skiers, nothing in 2014, mm. nothing in Vancouver 2010, nothing in Torino 06, nothing in 02. I was like, wait a second, what's going on? I mean, like, like Mexicans are everywhere. Like, we yeah. really are everywhere, you know? <laughs> we're, we're pretty resourceful, we, by the way. Uh, and, and I said, well, wait a second, what if I could be the first Mexican? Because then I started Googling and I realized that since the qualification standard had been um, set in place, no Mexican had ever qualified. Hmm. There, there was one Mexican that actually competed before the qualification when it was invitation. And so I said, wait a second, so I could be the first Mexican to qualify for the Winter Olympic Games in cross-country ski? And after seeing everybody there just laying on the snow and, 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 and reading that this was actually the hardest sport, I also read an article that, uh, that one of the, um, that the girl that, that wrote this article decided to um, interview one of the um, a very famous cross-country skier and uh, they had just had an accident. And so she skied with, with her one lap and it was so hard that she was actually unable to cover the Olympic Games for three days because she was wow. laying in her bed, in her <laughs> hotel bed, so sore that she couldn't even get up. And I read that and I said, that is what I want to do. <laughs> so my friend called me, uh, I think it was like three or four days later. He said, hey, you never called me to tell me what you thought about the article. <laughs> I had completely forgotten about that. I was messaging Roberto Carcelén. I wow. was finding out everything I could about cross-country ski. You went right into action. <laughs> yeah. So I, <clears throat> I told him, sorry I didn't call you back. I was too busy trying to find out how the heck <laughs> I'm going to get into the Olympic Games. And he said... Who, 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 read, who gets an article, reads an article, and from that decides that at the age of 40 he's going to go to the Olympic Games? He said, you're crazy, man. I said, well, yeah, you told me to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone, and I'm going to make it to the Olympic Games. Wow. And, uh, and that's how the whole journey, journey started. Um, I, I was very fortunate to be able to contact Roberto Car Carcelén at that time. Uh, Roberto was super kind. Um, he took a phone call. We spoke for hours on the phone, and uh, he pointed out to two coaches, his, 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 his own personal coach. He said, I don't know if he's going to be able to, to help you because he's got a business. He's always super busy. But if he helps you, there's no doubt you're going to make it. Wow. And I was like, I need, I need this guy. <laughs> and so that's how it, started, how it all started with that you, challenge. You have something very specific that, that many people don't have, and it's drive. And then the speed at which you do the things. I think uh, I think the speed at which people do things. So I, I feel like the greatest superpower in the world is how fast your thought becomes something tangible or something immediate. Like the, the way that your thoughts, because if you think about anything, like if you're thinking about a business, building a business or doing something, the thought has to become a process and then the process becomes the actual thing that happens at the end. The speed at which it happens is a superpower because you went right after that person and you, you messaged him directly on what, social media, right? Yeah. So where, where did you learn that? How, do you, how did you do that? Like, where did you get the insight to be able to do that? Well, that's my superpower. Uh, 
long time ago, um, you know, when you're, when you're always pursuing something, you're always, there's always somebody that doesn't agree with what you're doing. And so you're always constantly being criticized for doing what you want to do and not doing what everybody else wants you to do, right? So um, I had to develop a very, um, an armor to shield off all those people criticizing and all those people thinking that you're doing the wrong thing just because you're not doing what they want you to do. And my superpower became that I don't give a, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, the way I say it in, in Spanish, it sounds way, way better. Me <laughs> vale. Yeah. Like, so like whatever you think of me, of what I'm doing, I don't care. Where did, where'd you get that from? How, how did you develop that? Because I feel like a lot of people now, especially with social media in, in the, in the limelight, a lot of people are afraid of what people are going to think about them, what they're going to say about them. They, their whole social media of accounts just seem fake. Like they're a fake person. How, how do you, how, how did you get that? It's, you have to get, you have to get hit very hard and, and a lot of times, and you have to decide that you're never going to get hit again. You know, it's that time when you wake up in the morning and you say, nobody is going to decide for me. My life is mine and I live my own life and I cannot live somebody else's life. And um, it happened early in life. Um, I had a very, very, very good friend and he said, you know what? The greatest gift you'll ever receive is you. And if you don't protect your gift, you're going to lose it and you're going to lose yourself. And once you lose yourself, you'll never get yourself back because every year that goes by without you, it's a year you get older and a year you never get back. And that stuck with me. And I said, you're right. And he said, you know what? People are going to try to bring you down. But if you're true to yourself, if when you go to bed, you know that you did something for yourself, that day is always going to be a better day. Yeah. And you're always going to have a day tomorrow to fight. And... Um, and that stuck with me and I just said, you know what, this is how I need to live my life. I need to live my life without regrets, without, without thinking, without, not thinking, but without, without overreacting or without being worried about what other people are going to say or what they're going to think. I said, you know what, this needs to be my superpower. And it's a, it's a, it's a horrible superpower as well because, you know, um, you you, you distance yourself from people you don't want to distance yourself. I feel like it's a very lonely life. It's, it's lonely. But you know what? But what's funny, and, and this is a story that I used to tell my friends, and it was so funny. Um, back then, every time I got invited to a wedding, I always had the back table. I was always sitting next to the speaker. And I always thought, I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, this is, this is my view, you know, like this is, this is where I belong because I don't drink or, or I don't drink as, as other people do because I don't party because I don't go to your every Thursday to your, your party. Yeah. So um, I go once, a, once every two months, you know, when, I'm, when I just finish the race and I'm, I'm able to go. And so what happens is that you start, you start um, becoming this odd person, but you keep on fighting and you keep on fighting and you keep on fighting. And when you finally make it, when you finally make your dreams come true, when you finally do it, all of a sudden, you get bumped from that back seat, from that back table, all the way to front stage. And, and that's pretty incredible because that's when people look at you and they say like, oh, look at that. He made it, you know? 
And you made it because you believed in yourself. You made it because you didn't believe in them, because you didn't believe in their comments, because you didn't submit to what they wanted you to submit. You didn't just get a regular job, just be like us, just drink like us, just do what we do. And you say, no, I'm not going to do it. And, and, and you will, for a very long period of time, be an odd person until you finally make it. And then everybody wants to be around you. I, I, I love a quote that I read many years ago that says, and then one day, everybody's going to remember the day they, made you, they met you. I feel like you touched on a very interesting topic because I feel like, like when you, you don't do the normal things that everybody else do, does, it feels from their perspective, from what I've understood, is that you're being selfish. Can you kind of touch on selfishness and selflessness? Well, it's because being selfish has two ways of looking at it. Being selfish when you're not sharing anything, when you're, when you're not helping other people grow, that's self-destructive. But when you're being self-determined, when you're going for a goal, when you're looking, when you really are determined to, to accomplish something, accomplish something, that's not selfishness. That's, that's self-respect. That's love. And when you get there, see, the real measurement of, of yourself, of your self-worth, is what you do when you get there. Because if when you get there, you want more, and you want more, and, and all you want is more for yourself, then yes, you, you become a very selfish person. But if you're able to share once you get there, if you're able to, to look down and look up and look sideways and, and just be like, hey, um, how can I help you? How can I make my struggle and my fight be of service to you? Yeah. How can all of this make you a better person? And when you ask yourself that question, you're, that, uh, that selfishness becomes uh, a very rewarding part of your life because because you being selfish allowed you to be generous so you have to be selfish when it comes to your time you have to be selfish when it comes to you achieving your goals you have to be selfish when it comes to you doing what you need to do to get to where you want to go but then you have to be generous with the gifts that you've been giving the things that you didn't that the things that, that were given to you those you need to be generous the things that you've acquired you need to be generous but when it comes to your time and your commitment you need to be selfish because otherwise it's so easy it's so easy to lose time to waste time on things that are never going to help you grow and 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 you just touched on a point that i think it's it's crucial because you see if you want to live a, a life with no regrets if you want to live a life where, where you develop this, this, this superpower of not giving a shit about people, about what people say about you or what people think about you, you have to have a goal. You can't just go through life not giving a shit. If you don't know where you're going and you don't give a shit, then you're not going to be humble enough to ask for help. You're not, not going to be humble and smart enough to accept help when it comes for you. So the key in all of this, if you're going to develop the superpower, is always have a goal. Know where you're going. Know where you're heading. Because that's when this, 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 this becomes really superpower and not super... Uh, yeah, superficial. 
well, yeah, not super idiot, right? Because yeah. then you're, if you don't know where you're going and you just like, yeah, I don't, I don't give a shit about anything or yeah. anybody, then yeah, you're just, you're just an idiot. <laughs> let, let me ask you about this because there, when I got into my 40s, especially with COVID, you're uh, 40? I'm 41. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, when COVID happened, I had found myself uh, questioning my mortality a lot, like every single day, because I would see a lot of people pass away on social media and they were like, rest in peace to all these people. How do you view the timeline of life? So for me, I view it from now I'm 40. I got, if I'm lucky, I get to live as old as my grandfather is right now to 93 years old. So that means I don't have that very much time. So from 40 to 50, 50 to 60, those are the years that I'm going to be able to get my body into shape, get healthy, to be able to live the life that's going to get me into my 93, right? Uh, how do you view that? How do you view the timeline of what you have now to the time you have left? Make every single day count. If you die tomorrow, you die tomorrow. But you make today count. You make today your best day. It's the only way to live. It's the only way. I, I am right now 25. That's my age. I'm starting a master's degree. I'm back in school. I'm like, I'm, I'm starting a new business. I'm starting a new, a new career, a new life. And, and like, I don't feel the age that I, my, my, my physical age. I'm, I'm 25. I'm driven. I'm, I want to go. I have dreams. I'm not stopping. Yeah. And if you, if you start thinking about how are you, are you going to manage the time you have left and the things you have left? So, well, stop drinking. Well, stop uh, going out with your friends. Well, stop, you stop everything. And it, 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 at what point do you stop feeling alive? Hmm. Do you stop living in order to extend your physical life? You know what? You have to go all out. You have to go all out every day. You know, you have to go all out every day, and that's the only way to live. For me, um, for me, making it to 93, living a, a long life, has to do with one of my favorite, favorite phrases, my favorite words, my, my, my way of living. And it all has to do with... And I'm trying to find the right way to put this. Um, it's because a lot of words come really quickly in Spanish, but then when I'm, once I'm translating, translating them to English, I'm like, does that translate the same way? You have... You have to be relevant in life. You have to look for a way to transcend. And transcending means living longer, your memory living longer than your human form. You have to do something for others that affects their lives. Make an impact. Make an impact in this world so that somebody will remember you when you're gone. If you made an impact when you were, and you died at 12, you'll be forever remembered. Like Anna Frank. She'll never die. Yeah. That's relevance. That's transcendence. If you're looking for transcendence, it doesn't matter if you die tomorrow or if you die tonight. If you were able to transcend, if you were able to give the world something through your life, through your experience, through your view of the world, you, you will live forever. 
that's really what matters. So I am looking to live to a thousand years, to be remembered 1,000 years from now. That's what I'm looking for. I don't, the I legacy. Don't, if I can make it to 93, that'll be great, you know, thank you, God. But if I make it to 93, I can assure you that I'm going to be in very, very bad shape because I'm going to beat my money down until 93. <laughs> I'm going to try to, I'm going out running a You're marathon. You're not kicking. Oh, yeah. I'm going to, you know what? I'm, I'm going to die running a marathon. Like, I'll be 93 and I'll be like, okay, I think I'm going to go tomorrow. Okay, I'll still find a marathon, sign up for it. I won't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're just like, oh, cross the finish line. And then just, you know, but, uh, but yeah. So for me, um, and, and it's, it, I, I love the way you put that question. For me, life is not about the, the life of my human body. It's the life of, of the lives that I touch, the lives that, I've, that I'm able to, to affect through my actions. And, uh, and that transcendence, that's, that's what I live for. What is it about going the hard way, choosing the hard way versus the easy way that most people won't do? Like, why, why don't people have big goals, big dreams? What happened during that time in their life that they just shoved it down? Like, what, what, what should the mentality have? What should they have as a mentality? You know, this is a very simple question. It's way simpler than you might think. And it's all about being consistent, being consistent with, with the things that you dream about. Well, I'll tell you this from consistency point of view, because consistency is hard, like diet, exercise, hard. All these people that are out here and I, I still struggle with is like, it's hard. I get why people throw in the towel. But no, that's the consistency in everyday life. You see, you're focusing on the consistency that will make you great today right in this space we're talking about transcending we're talking about living beyond your life we're talking about greatness and that's consistency in achieving your goals and achieving your dreams in fighting for them so you decided that you want to make a, a short film a documentary and you did it right so then you set out to do a second one and win more awards and you did it and you set out to do a podcast and you did it so now your life is full of accomplishments of little things that you Hey, nobody knows if you were successful or no, because obviously they'll know, but then we move on, right? Yeah. We move on with our lives and nobody will remember, yeah, right? The speed at which things change. <laughs> but you remember and you know you did it. But if you fail, you know you fail. And if you don't try again, you know you didn't try again. And then you don't try again and then you get comfy with not trying again. You get comfy at not failing. And when you, get it, when you fall in love with not failing, what happens? Is you break up with success hmm. you break up with the possibility of transcending of becoming your best self so this is not consistency of waking up every morning and going to training and and and, and, and training hard and doing what you need to do and eating your diet no this is consistency in achieving your goals this is consistency in believing in yourself this is consistency not if you did great in the marathon that you signed up for did you sign up and did you finish? Did you pull it all the way through? Did you not give up? And now what's the next goal? And so it's, uh, it's, uh, I, uh, I was described myself as a, as a um, um, soñador concertudinario, that I'm always like, you know how uh, when people used to smoke, they would like uh, uh, 
take a smoke and then like uh light it with the one that they were smoking oh yeah chain smoking yeah chain, yeah chain smoking so i'm a chain dreamer there's always one dream chain to the Something. left you just finish with one and then then the next one and and the thing is that when you when you achieve things and when you learn how to fight for things you become a chain dreamer a chain achiever and even if it's little things but you become to you come to the point where you start believing in yourself so highly that you literally look at yourself in the mirror and you feel invincible and you feel and it's just this feeling of like whatever i set out to do i can do it and i will do it that's the consistency that i'm talking about the other one it's a byproduct and you need it yes of course and if you don't if you don't harness that one well you, you, you probably never get to the other one right but hey you're going every day to the gym you're fasting every day for what what's your goal what are you going to achieve with that health and how is your health going to make someone else great how is your health going to help someone transcend in life achieve something in life you see your health is a selfish goal your podcast it's an unselfish goal. Even though you might spend here hours without seeing your family, without talking to your friends, just editing like crazy. But once that episode comes out, once that movie comes out, you're gonna touch someone's heart and that is transcending. See, that is, that is what I'm talking about. Now, if you're going to the gym and you're being constant in the gym, translate to you being able to be here editing and fulfilling this dream that you have, that's transcendence. Hmm. Interesting. Let me let me ask you about goals, because I feel when I talk about goals, people think like, eh, whatever, they're just goals. And I, 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 I feel this because I've always made goals and I, I was able to write them down and put them on a dream board and all these things. I, they feel like foo-foo-ness to people. But I am I'm, I'm certain that you can call into existence with the words that you say, with the things that you write down. And if you have a goal and a date, it will get done. What can you say about that? Because I feel like a lot of people just are dismissive. Like, ah, these are goals, whatever. You write them down. Yeah, come on, dude. Like, no. touch on that. No, because if you set a goal and you give up on it, then you set a goal and you give up on it, you become a professional quitter. You might be great at what you're doing because you get paid to do it and you need to pay rent, right? So there are things that scare you. One of them is getting kicked out of your house. One of them is losing your job. So you're consistent at your job because you're afraid of losing it. But in your personal life, in your goals, in, like we just said, you know, I was great at what I was doing. Ironman, consistent, being consistent with my training in Ironman. But that was, that was never going to go anywhere. It was just going to turn into Ironman number 100. And, you know, but I wanted to do something bigger than that. This is the exact same example that you're giving me. Is you set a goal, you make sure you complete it. You set a goal, make sure you make sure you complete it. If you're not gonna complete it, don't set it. Because then you become accustomed to not achieving your goals. Now, once you know you can achieve it, you can set a bigger one. Once you know you can achieve the bigger one, you can you can set a bigger one. And that's how that's how you get to the big things in life. Not being afraid to fail. Not, that is the key. So let me give you a quick example. 
um, I, I, I set out to do something that I've been wanting to do for, for, for a long time, and I overshot. You know, I, I, I started it and, and really completed it, but at the end of the day, um, I didn't have the money <laughs> to pay for the, for the end of it, you know, to finish it uh, for lack of funds. So what do I do? Do I consider that a failure? Hell no. I'm going to get the money. I'm going to go back and either finish that or just start it over again. Yeah. And this time, I'm going to have the money before I start. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be overconfident or like, yeah, the money will come. <laughs> it didn't come. Did I fail? Hell no, I didn't fail. And this is one of the most beautiful questions I've ever been asked by a kid that was seven year old, year, years old. I was at Milan, uh, Milan Elementary, gave me a speech. Uh, I was with, uh, McCa uh, with McAllen Marathon. It was called um, Let's Run, McAllen, a kid's McAllen Marathon. And one kid asked me, so what if you had failed? What if you had never made it to the Olympic Games? All the money that you spend and all the time that you spend away from your family, that would have been a huge blow, a huge failure. And I looked at him and I said, no, that was my biggest achievement. Even if I had never made it to the Olympic Games, I traveled to over 14 countries. I learned a new sport, made two of the best friends I've ever made in my entire existence. Live a year living my dream, like literally living my dream. How could that be considered failure? How could that be considered failure? So it's about enjoying the journey. It's about taking prize in the little things. You know, just, just you achieve something and just celebrate it. Celebrate the little things. And if the big thing comes... Even better. Even better. <laughs> but you see, how, how could you say that that year was a failure, if it, even if I'd never made it? Yeah. I mean, my dream had always been to go to Turkey. I made it to Turkey. I made it to Armenia. I went to Iceland. That was another one of my lifelong dreams. And I had never been to Iceland. I went to Iceland three times wow. to ski. <laughs> you know, how can you call that a failure? Yeah. There's no way. So it's also having that mentality of you never fail. Let me ask you this. The, uh, the five people that you hang out with, you will become that fifth person. Or those, those types of people that you hang out with the most, the things that they do, you'll end up doing the question is, when you were out there training for the Olympics with the Olympic team, what is the mentality of that group? How, how does that look? How does that feel? How does it feel like being in that group? Oh, my God. Oh, so I'm going to answer that question in two ways, okay? The first one, that group, and it wasn't even five, so it was a little less than five. It was four of us. Um, drive. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever felt in my life. Everybody had, everybody was driven, everybody. So um, we got to Hidesau, Austria. Peter was training, was renting an apartment there. Or his sponsor had rented an apartment, so he invited us to stay with him. And, um, and so you would think, like, you know, three guys living in a little apartment, it would be a mess. The apartment was sparking, sparkling every single day. You woke up, breakfast was ready. We finished training, lunch was ready. We finished training, dinner was ready. Everybody was in bed. Everything happened automatically because we were all driven, because we knew what we wanted. So I would wake up early in the morning, make breakfast for everybody. 
when I came back, since I had made breakfast, we didn't need to ask who was going to make lunch. Peter was already making lunch. And then Jonathan would be like, oh, well, they're doing all this for me. So he cooked dinner, right? And, uh, and then all of a sudden, you're looking for your pants and they're already washed. And like, who washed my pants? Well, yeah, I was going to throw everything in the washing machine. Because if you fall, we all fall. That was the mentality. It was driven. It was just so beautiful. Everybody, that's, um, that's where I got one of my, my, my mantras in life right now. <clears throat> because every time that we failed, <laughs> that we didn't achieve the qualification, and, and it all, this happened. So I'll, I'll go back to how this happened. So um, we were racing in, 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 uh, in Turkey one day, and uh, <clears throat> the snow was melting. Conditions were horrible. And so there was a very, very steep um, uh, downhill and then a very sharp U-turn at the end of the downhill. When the snow was in good condition, you were just flying around that curve. It was beautiful. But the way that the conditions were, uh, you, like the, the snow literally threw you out. But out was literally like there was no snow. Like it was like just one thing, you know, like it was just the, the, the wilderness. Like, so I, got, so I, I, I flew out of the track and landed in a rock and ended with a, with a black eye. Wow. And so uh, I finished, I told Peter, I said, I think I'm the first ever cross-country skier to finish a race with a black eye. <laughs> and, he said, uh, and he said, well, now you have a good story to tell. And I said, yeah, but we didn't qualify. And he said, don't worry. We still have tomorrow. And tomorrow, we live to fight another day. And I just closed my eyes and I said, you're right live to fight another day it doesn't matter how bad things are going for you today when you wake up tomorrow you're gifted the opportunity to leave and to fight another day and that was the drive that's how that's how we live for 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 two months pita yona and i <clears throat> and of course there were others that were like calling us to see how we were doing so like but it's it's those three people that completely changed my life wow and now i'm going to answer that question the way that i really see it because i keep I keep seeing that, and, and, and nowadays, like, somebody made a very popular audio, and everybody's replicating it on Instagram, right? We're like, we're like you're, you, you're, you're the reflection of the five people who are closest to you, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. What if you see that in a different way? What if you were able to change the five people that are closest to you? Hmm. What if you could make them great? What, what if you take the risk? What if I take the risk right now to try to make you better? Because I want to be your friend. And I want to be a better runner, and you don't run. Well, can I persuade you to run? Can I invite you to run? Can I help you love running? You're a businessman. I want to do business with you. How can I make you better? How can I make those five people closest to me better so that we can all grow? Instead of just hanging out with five people and just, just, you know, just hoping that the average will come out to be something that helps you. Yeah. Well, what if you can change that? <laughs> what if you can have the power of those people that are closest to you? You make them great. And um, I have a, a very quick example. So uh, a very, very close friend that I love very much. His name is Marco. He came to the running group. Um, he wanted to run a marathon. And he had never run. And he did his first marathon, and I believe he ran it in four hours and 30 minutes, four hours and 40 minutes. And, uh, and he trained really hard, but I don't know, just 
things weren't working. You know, like there, every time he had a race, something happened. So years passed. Uh, Marco moved to San Antonio. I think he's working for HEV now. And the other day, he just ran a sub three marathon. Wow. He never stopped. <laughs> so are you the average of Marco when he was running slow marathons and not, not being this super confident, super strong guy? Or are you the average of the Marco today that is this uber confident, incredible marathoner? Which one? Yeah. See, what if your life, your drive can change, can take this person from here to here? And if you're still around, now you're the average of, of the great guy, not the, average, not the average of the guy that just started. Yeah. I like, I like that. I like that insight. That's, that's, a good, uh, that's a good way to put it. Let me uh, ask you this, because last year uh, I was seeing a bunch of articles and a bunch of YouTube videos. Uh, one specifically was, I think, Jesse James West was talking about how McCallum is the most obese city in the nation. And we set out to help 100,000 people change their life, because when I got into shape, well, I wouldn't even say I got into shape. Uh, when I started an active lifestyle, I, my health changed. I appeared younger. I'm stronger. I'm more physically fit. I'm capable. Uh, obviously, I've been a man. But I feel like when I was talking about it, it kind of came from a preachy way. And people don't like to be preached to. And I'm fine with that. I understood it. So I had to figure out, how do I reach people without sounding preachy? And I was not able to figure it out. How do you help 100,000 people? Or how do you help the Rio Grande Valley fight obesity specifically? Do it. Go about your own fight. Share it. Somebody's going to get inspired. See, you can only help the people that approach you and want to be helped. Those are the only ones you can help. You can't help everybody. Nobody's like, it's, it's unreal. Like you, you have your friends and then one day you discover that there's somebody that actually hates you. And they're like, I've never, ever met that person. Why, why does he hate me? Well, that's how life is. Don't concentrate on those ones. Those. Move on. People that, that, that reach out. So now, if you're living in a little bubble, you're never going to reach out, right? So if what you want to do is reach out, help people, help change this community, lead by example. Start running. And if somebody asks for help, help. If somebody else asks, help. And all of a sudden, and here's the, here's the beauty of this. I, I started coaching people 12 years ago. And the price for coaching, mind you, I have a master's degree in, in, in sports science. Uh, like, I'm very experienced in what I, what I do. Um, when I started, I had already done, I think, uh, 10 Ironmans, wow. something like 20 marathons. Um, I had already qualified for the Boston Marathon. Um, ended up not getting in, but I did qualify, which for me, that was a big accomplishment. For me, that was big. <coughs> Sorry. Um, and the price was a six-pack of beer. <laughs> and, then you, and then you pass it on. The reason was because if I don't want to drink a beer with you, I don't want to train you. I want to be your friend. I want to be able to affect your life. And if I can't even talk to you, how am I going to affect your life? So that's why the price back then was, was a, a six-pack of beer. And then uh, you need to prove that you were able to pass it on to someone else. Hmm. Because if, if, if all that I'm sharing with you, it's going to get trapped 
inside of you and it's never going to go anywhere, we're never going to grow. Right. And so, you see, that became me, um, one of the first athletes that I, that I coach, uh, her name is Lori, great athlete, great person. And then Lori started uh, coaching um, Ronnie and another group of people. And uh, Ronnie has a huge effect because he's a, he's a great leader in the city of Edinburgh. And so, um, and, and like her, I can tell you of, of other athletes and, 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 and it's incredible. And when you look at it, well, it's her work, what she did with those athletes is what this other guy did with his athletes. Bring the mic up a little closer yeah. to you. But at, but at the end of the day, it all started because you charge, you charge them a six pack of beer and pass it on hmm. for that training. So were you the one that made it? God only knows. Don't ever take credit for anything. Yeah, just put it out there. Just put it out there. But, you know, maybe, maybe it was. Maybe it did, you know. And, and that's the only way to help. You know, you, you, you pass it on. And before you know it, your little passing it on becomes 100,000 people without even you trying or without even you. But see, because if you try to help 100,000 people, then now this becomes selfish and you never do it. Hmm. Interesting. But when you do it for love, when you do it for the right reasons, and when you do it one person at a time, if you're lucky enough that one person helps another, which in turn helps another, and you reach 100,000 pretty quickly. Actually, you, you reach a million very quickly. Let's uh, switch gears real fast. So let's talk about your histories. You came from Mexico. Yeah. So kind of touch on the story because I have some questions for that. Okay. So um, I got married in 2002 and I was working for Bank of America. Well, Bank Boston, which was bought by Bank of America. And uh, working on the corporate world, I, I pretty soon decided that that was not my life. Like I wanted to own my destiny. I didn't want to. I, I I didn't want to put all of this time working with uncertainty. Like I said, I I, I need to own my destiny. So uh, my wife and I moved to Tamaulipas. Uh, we started managing a ranch, uh, a cattle ranch in Tamaulipas. And we did great. I mean, like the, it was growing. We kept growing every year after year, and it was just beautiful. And and things, life was, was perfect. But then all of a sudden, violence erupted in Mexico, and um, the the people that were in charge of this violence, they started um, invading ranches, and in some cases even kidnapping the ranchers. So it was it was horrible. And um, and we had one of those episodes where. Uh, so our cattle was stolen by these people and we, we had to leave. We had to leave. And, and, I'd, and I told Lucy, if we're going to be responsible for our lives, we also need to be responsible for our environment. Like we need to find an environment where we can actually grow. So we couldn't be there no more. We had to move. And I said, uh, I read an article, just what you're talking about. It's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, I read an article because we would come to McAllen um, very often to see a friend. Um, we'd spend time with our friends, come, uh, you know, do grocery shopping and, and, and things like that. And, uh, and I, I, every time I came, I was looking for somebody to run with and there was no running groups. And my friend Sal, like we would go and run together. And I was like, hey, but who else runs here? And it's like, no, pretty much nobody runs here in McAllen. 
And one day he showed me an article that said that, uh, that McAllen was the most obese city in the United States. And I said, but why? McAllen is beautiful. Like, this is a really nice town and people here are very nice. Why? And I told Sal, I said, we need to change that. And he said, yeah, you and how many? Like, <laughs> and, um, and, I, and I told, so when all this happened, I told Lucy, I was like, there's no running store in McAllen. There's no running group in McAllen, but they do have a marathon. I said, we need to go over there and open a running store. And Lucy was like, but that's the most obese city in America. Like, they, people don't run there. Who's going who's gonna to buy your shoes? And I said, we're going to go there and we're going to build a running group. And we are going to build a running store and we are going to help make that the fittest city in America, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And so uh, we packed our bags and that's like the, 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 the hard part of the process because, well, we needed to get a visa. So contact the lawyers and also to get the visa, you must have the business. But to, to, to open the business, you must have the visa. So <laughs> it was, uh, man, it was hard for a few months. It was so doubting. It was like man, I'm never going to be able to make this, right? And so, like, that's when that, that, uh, that, that attitude of, of, me vale, you know, whatever happens, happens. Like, I'm going to make it. This is my dream, and I, need it, and I need to make it happen. And so, yeah, we lived in fear for a couple of months, and the lawyer was like, no, you're okay. <laughs> you're okay. Just don't let the six months pass. And, and so, uh, within three months, we got our, 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 no, four months, we got our, um, our uh, investor visa, and that's how we were able to move here and start our, uh, our, our start our, our business, the running store. And we've been here for 12 years. Wow. We started the running group. Um, I can safely say now that we've, that we're, oh, I don't want to say that, but I think, I think that we've already served a thousand people in the running group. Wow, that's amazing. I, I think if not, we're probably very close. And in 12 years, 1,000 people have gone through a running group. Wow. Uh, I probably, if I go back to the numbers, it's 600 and I'm lying to you, but, but, but it's just a, a big number of people that have been impacted through a running group and, and what we do. And, um, and again, we, we're not trying to change everybody, but those that come, we, we, try, to, we, try, to, we try to help them uh, achieve their goals. Let me ask you this, the, the process to get the visa, uh, can you kind of explain that process? And now in retrospect, what would you have done differently to be able to expedite the process? The process? See, that's something that, um, that a lot of people don't understand. There's nothing you can do to expedite the process. The laws are, are very strict and they're set and you can't move them. And it's, uh, you know, I probably the only thing that would have been, that I would have done different was to, um, to interview more lawyers because the first one that helped us he wasn't very good um and so that kind of slowed us down a little bit until we finally got to the one that really helped us his name's uh jose barbeto he, he he has his office here his law office here in McAllen, and uh jose helped us a lot and so once we once we once we were finally able to work with jose like it was smooth sailing all along you know the renewals and everything so um but um i wouldn't have done anything differently I think we, we I'm, I'm very proud to say that, that, you know, like, although I like to, to, to break my own rules, define my own destiny, when it comes to the rules that make us a better society, I'm, I, I like to follow them. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a contradiction. 
but um but you have to it, it's the only way to do it you know you have to you, you have to go through the process it's tedious but you, you get there like you do get there and so for people that want to come and invest and, and open up their businesses here even for kids that are graduating from college and you know start the process one two three four it's boring it's time consuming but once you once you get to where you wanted to go and once you start working, like it's beautiful, right? Yeah. It's beautiful, but it's the only way. You can't you cannot jump uh steps. You cannot like it's you just have to go through the process. You just have to go and, through the and process. And the way they make it is kind of like it's it's kind of a tedious process that kind of just pushes people like, okay, they're gonna give up. It, it, am I wrong? It it is, it is, and I, I believe it is designed to be that way. But so here's the way I see it. This is the this is the best country in the world. I, and I've been to 70 different ones. Believe me. I, 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 and I've lived in different ones. This is the best country. So, um, yeah, it's normal that the people that live here feel proud of, of what we've achieved as a society, as a community, as a country. And um, I, think, I think that, um, that the rules that we had to go through to be able to to be here legally and, and working and having our, our business and, and enjoying the life that we have with our kids and everything, um, I, I think that is good. I mean, like you you wouldn't just allow anybody to come into your house. Yeah. You wouldn't just allow anybody to just just open the door, sit down, and start talking to you in your podcast, right? Yeah. So I think that, I mean, they could probably be better rules. You know, they could probably be a little more expedited or a little, I don't know. But that's not up to me. But I think that uh, that the fact that there are rules is it's a good thing. You know, it ma it makes it makes this, the dream sweeter. Yeah. You know, when we went through all of that and when we finally got our visa, when we finally were able to open our shop, it just felt so good because it wasn't easy because we worked so hard to do it. And that uh, that feeling of of conquering, it's just it's just fantastic. I mean, like you know, we'd open other businesses and we just opened them, right? But when we did this. Um, my wife and I opened a, a bottle of champagne. Like we did it finally, you know. <laughs> uh, and so, um, so I guess at the end of the day, having rules and rules that you need to uh, follow and a process that you need to follow to in order to accomplish something, it makes it more desirable. Yeah. You know. So yeah, don't hey, hey don't break any rules. <laughs> it's not <laughs> worth it. Before we finish off the podcast. Uh, I like to ask this question because I, I, I feel like I'm on the journey of figuring out life and I will always, I'm a lifelong learner, but through the process of what you've lived now and all the, the accumulated knowledge that you've gotten through the years, what are the best three pieces of advice that you can leave for somebody? Start today, right now. Stop whatever you're doing and start what you want to do right now. You don't have money. Who cares? Who had money? You don't have experience? You'll get it. Start today. Don't look back. Just go. If you fail, stand up. You only fail when you stop trying. You only, stop, you only fail when you give up. A scientist will conduct an experiment 1,000 times until he achieves the, the result that he was looking for. How many... How many light bulbs did Edison build before he actually built the one that worked, the one that changed our lives forever? Did he fail 1,000 times or 2,000 times? Or was he just perfectioning 
the art of changing the world forever, right? So start doing it right now. Stop what you're doing, get up, and start fighting for what you want, for what you're dreaming. That's number one. Number two, share it. Share it with someone else. Find a way to share it. I mean, you and I, we, we love social media, and we use social media, and it helps us spread our message, but it doesn't have to be through social media. You know, just try to inspire someone and hope that that person will inspire someone else because in order to change the world, you, you have to start one person at a time. So second one will be that. And the third one, and I think this is the one that, uh, that really changed my life. I think this is the one that really made an impact in my life is learn to celebrate the little achievements in life. Learn to celebrate you, to be you. Because a lot of times we find ourselves waiting for somebody to come and praise us. For somebody to come and say, congratulations, you did a good job, and nobody comes. And our self-esteem is drained because nobody said anything. So you have, you have to be able to laugh at yourself and to compliment yourself, to look at yourself in the mirror and say, we did good today. We did it. And tomorrow, we fight another day. Fight another day. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. Later.